When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. A big three points for Aston Villa as they beat Newcastle United 2-0 on Monday Night Football upon Steve Bruce's return to Villa Park. When Bruce was sacked by Aston Villa, someone threw a cabbage at his head. No cabbages thrown last night, but perhaps a chance thrown away by Newcastle to move themselves closer to Premier League security. We'll be discussing last night's Premier League action, as well as looking at Spurs and Manchester City's European exploits as they return to the Champions League fray this evening against Olympiacos and Shakhtar Donetsk, respectively. Not only that, but we're going to take a look at the African Player of the Year shortlist for 2019. There are plenty of Premier League representatives on the list. We'll ask who deserves this year's prize, as well as fondly remembering some of the great African Premier League stars of years gone by. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find seven days a week. We're here with news and opinion from the best league in the world. So go and hit subscribe and you'll never miss an episode again. Also, leave us a review and we'll give you a shout out on the show. I'm Niall. Joining me on the podcast today, we have Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. Hello, Niall. Uh, We were having a debate earlier about what classifies as a crisp and yeah. what doesn't, which is just your typical Tuesday morning office It's not a debate. There's no patter. debate to be had. A crisp is made of potato. A maize snack is made of maize and thus is not a crisp. So it's a monster a munch is not a, a crisp? A no. frazzle is not a crisp? No, it's not. It's a oh, maize snack. If so, can... so if your children say, can I have some monster munch? They would have to refer to that as a maize-based snack. <laughs> <an apple>. yeah. <laughs> they would not be able to say, can I have a pack of crisps? Good no. parenting, good parenting. I noticed you said apple and not cabbage. You can't get cabbages at the football, unfortunately, unless you're an Aston Villa fan. Throwing them at the head of Steve Bruce shortly after his sacking. But after Newcastle's defeat to Aston Villa, Phil, you might have been tempted to throw missiles at your manager yourself, perhaps. What would, what would have been your missile of choice after last night's showing? Scud. Drone strike, perhaps. <laughs> um... Oh, we were rubbish, weren't we? We were absolutely pants. That's, so disappointing. Unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to start. Aston Villa 2, Newcastle United 0. We were kind of joking, saying that it, it, maybe for the wider Premier League community, it wouldn't have been the, the most uh, enthralling uh, of prospects on Monday night. But certainly, I, I thought, in terms of what it meant for both clubs, it was a, a pretty important game, more so for Villa than Newcastle after your recent performances. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's only the the fifteenth game in the last sixteen on a Monday night where we've been away from home. So you know, we we really have to thank the Premier League and Sky for the kind fixture scheduling that they've given us for midweek. Sorry, for, for midweek away games. Can you repeat bonkers. that again? Out of the last sixteen Monday night games Newcastle United have played, fifteen have been away from home. That's incredible. It goes back years. This. Yeah, it's, it? it's absolutely insane. Something like 67% of our televised games are away from home. They don't want to lug all of the equipment up from London, do they? They'd rather but take they also know that Newcastle fans will travel. So like, we, we'll travel regardless of whether it's a Monday night. And think as well, you're talking about the most isolated club geographically in the league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, it's an absolute scandal and no one's talking about it. But anyway. We are now. Well, yeah, we, we are, are now, now. But And I'll happily I'm stunned. I'm sorry. sign up for I... an hour-long documentary feature on it. But I, it, it I didn't realise to... that was a thing. It goes back to the fact that Match-going fans are of no priority oh, it's, it's anymore. An absolute and it's, disgrace. And it isn't just Newcastle. This is a stat that proves that Newcastle are hard done by, but it's kind of... I mean, you're stuck up there in the northeast. Every Every game is a trek, right? You say no, it like mate, you're it's a stuck, prison. You're stuck <laughs> everywhere else. The northeast is the centre of the universe. You've got this all... You've got this arse about face. But it's, it, it's, it's something that isn't going to go away, and it's going to become more prevalent that match-going fans are going to oh. become less and less important. I think that's already begun, isn't it? No, oh, I, I don't think it's... I think it's beyond the stage of already begun. I think it's just accepted as fact yeah. now. Mm. But I mean, like we on a Monday night, we've gone to Brighton, which is almost as far we've as you can to Brighton. Go. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm sure we, you know Villa's 200, Birmingham's 200 miles from Newcastle on a Monday night. Mm. There's just that's probably one of the closer games. Actually, yeah, well. I mean we we did I did Burnley last year away, which is 150 miles, what which are the is Christmas literally fixtures like this year for Newcastle. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. I know we're we haven't had a home Boxing Day game for I think we've had one in about the last 10 years. Mm. I think we're away at Man United on Boxing Day. I think I'll have to check. But um, yeah, I mean we're not we're not shown a lot of love by the authorities. Anyway, with regard to the, the game, I thought we were just poor. I thought Villa were at it from the start. I thought um, we've managed to make Jack Grealish look like Iniesta. Oh, he he did look. He looked really good. Eight, I was really impressed with him. Eight out of tens all round in most newspapers. This yeah, morning. no, I thought he was. I thought he was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch. Uh, I've never really got. The Grealish hype, um, but I watched him last night and I was like, "Wow!" Is Gareth Southgate missing a trick not picking him for England? I think that we are absolutely overloaded with players who play in his position. Agreed. So I think it's going to be very difficult for him to get in. Mm. Um, but last night I was like, "Wow, he's the real deal." He looked just different levels. What was your expectation as a Newcastle fan going into that game? Because Villa have been decent at home. They're not the whipping boys that some people expected them to be. They've got decent home form. That's what's going to keep them up with everything. Did you expect? To go into that game and come away with three points? Or no, I expect. I, was it just the level of performance? I thought it could have gone either way. Like I thought we could have snuck it. Um, I thought you know a draw was possible, eminently possible, and I thought we could equally. We had to respect the fact that we could lose the game. I don't think we'd have lost the game under Benitez. I think we'd have had a better plan. I think Villa did a total number on us. I thought they scouted us well. Mm. Whenever Shelby got the ball, he was pressed. Hurahan and McGinn totally set the tone in yeah. terms of their energy. I don't think McGinn's got that much quality on the ball. But I think his energy levels are absolutely sensational. And they'd obviously had a directive to press the two centre-halves who were, who were play on the, the side of the three and to press Shelby on the ball because that's where a lot of our distribution comes from. Mm. And they delivered that all night. So our midfield just got completely overran, bypassed, and that was the platform that Villa needed. You know, Bruce post-match pointed out, oh, well, it was two set pieces that were conceded. But Dubravka's made like three yeah, unbelievable yeah. The, saves. The defending was poor all we, evening, wasn't and it? And it's normally where we're strong. I mean, we are missing Lascelles. 
And arguably, of, the, of your decent crop of centre-halves, which we've spoken about many times on this podcast, the three that were picked, or the two that were picked last night, are arguably the weakest of the bunch. Yeah, I mean, we played three, but we're, I, I would argue we're missing our three first-choice centre-halves, which would be Lascelles in the middle with Shaw on the right and Lejeune on the left. They'd be they'd be my three. Um, people talk about Lascelles as not being in the best three centre-halves, and you could possibly make that argument. But he, leader. he's a leader. Mm. He talk, he's, a talk, he's the talker in the back three. And he's also the only one with any pace. How Rahan was signed by Steve Bruce, Jim. And it was, uh, I think there was one headline, How Rahan haunts Newcastle boss Steve Bruce. Um, like Phil says, Steve Bruce mentioned that it was two set pieces, but it was more than that. It was it was just the consistency and the ease of delivery into the penalty area where mm. there would seem to be no Newcastle defenders attacking the ball to get it away. It was almost like they were leaving the ball well, I mean, to be cleared by second, everyone else. Second goal, just let the ladder run past yeah, him. It's 100%. not what I expect from a Steve Bruce team. At all. I expect that the defending of set pieces and that kind of defensive solidity, I expect that to be the mainstay of a Steve Bruce yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know what to expect from a Steve Bruce team and we're like quite <laughs> a lot of games in now and I still don't think Newcastle fans know what he's trying to do. And if you look at the points on the board, we're roughly where I'd expect us to be. I think that's that's fair. But I don't think... I don't want to say we've been lucky, but I don't think we've necessarily won games by design. Hmm. I don't think like... Like when Benitez was in charge, you'd say, right, we're going to do this and this is how we're going to stifle them and and we're going to do, you know, achieve this by doing this and this and this and this and this is our plan. Thing, perfect, yeah, execution, perfect execution. Perfect execution of a yeah. tactical plan. Mm. Whereas, like, I was at the Bournemouth game, the previous, uh, the home game, and we won, which was great, and we played some, like, some decent stuff, but we seem to be relying on, like, maverick excellence from St. Maximin or Joe Linton doing some decent armour on or a set piece. We don't seem to have, like, a cohesive offensive plan. Right. For me, I mean, Joe Linton's getting pillared. I don't think he's the best, but he's so isolated. Like, I, I don't know what people expect him to do because there's if the ball comes up to him, there's nobody anywhere near him. No. You've got to get the two wide number 10s, whatever they're playing as, they've Over got to be thing. closer to him. That's what seems worrying for Newcastle at the moment is the inability for those front three to score goals. Because on the face of it, they all look like they're perfectly capable of getting goals. But they just—it's just for some reason it's not happening at the moment. Does I mean do, do you mix it up? Do you bring Andy Carroll on from the start instead of Jolington? Or it's not going to make a difference if he's not getting that support and he's not got players around him. I guess. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's a system problem rather than a personnel problem offensively at the moment. I mean, defensively, I'm prepared to sort of overlook it because they're normally pretty solid. They were missing a few centre halves. It's probably a little bit of an aberration. Um, obviously, we've got Man City on Saturday, so we'll see just how much of an aberration it is. But. Um, but offensively, I don't think there's a plan. I think we've stumbled to 15 points rather than got 15 points. And if you look at the results we've had, we beat Tottenham away, which we didn't really expect to do. We beat Man United at home, which we didn't really expect to do. You've had a good run since the start of October, haven't but, you? Yeah, but yeah, but like not in the way that you'd expect well, them to do, which this is again the point, sort of it? implies a bit of a bit of fortune and a bit of luck. Goals I'm not... coming from defenders, still it's... needing your attackers Kieran to Cox perform. Kieran Clark's our lead scorer. Yeah, that's and crazy. He's, he's not even like a starting defender. He's got three goals in the league. Uh, which... Phil, you wouldn't have been the only person willing Newcastle to win last night. I imagine, Jim, you would have been as well because Aston Villa's victory means that they leapfrog West Ham United, your club, in the Premier League table, which means West Ham are now thir- on 13 points, uh, three above Norwich, but just one place above the relegation oh, zone. Well, Newcastle would have been winning would have been a terrible result for us as well. So, Because they're the teams that at this moment in time are in and around West Ham. So any team around that bottom portion, the result that they would have wanted last night would have been a draw. Yeah, a nice nil-nil, boring well, yeah, Monday. Villa are what would be this in mean it? for the bottom Villa, half Villa are going to be in it because they're too open. So even like 
with us having 35% of the ball, we created three or four really, really decent chances that on another night we might have stuck in the back of the net. So Heaton's made two or three pretty solid saves. Mm. Fair play, that's what he's in the side to do. But away from home, I can see how Villa struggle. But last night, I thought they were excellent. As I said, I thought Grealish was Henshaw was the best player on the pitch. But I thought Hurahan and McGinn set the tempo. If you're telling me Tyrone Mings is an England centre-half, I've got some pretty severe reservations about that because I can do a Cruyff turn and look like I'm doing all right. <laughs> can you? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's like a slow-mo Cruyff <laughs> turn, but it's there. But we um, film this for social media, Niall? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'll ghost past you, Chris Alderson. Don't you worry about that. Although I am more in the mould of like a Jan Mulby. Okay. I, I spray it. Like Wait, a Shelby. Well, you play you play darts in retirement, you mean? Yeah, sh- <laughs> spread about. I need runners. If I'm standing still and other people are running, I'm creating angles. Uh, but, um, but you mentioned, sorry, Villa, and you talk about Mings there. Do you, can you see enough, sort of taking your Newcastle hat off, can you see enough in them to think that they might be safe this year in the Premier League? I think they're going to have the same problem we have. I don't think they're going to score enough goals. I think the three teams that are in trouble this season won't change. The three in the bottom of the table at the moment, they'll be the three at the end of the season. Watford, Southampton and Norwich will be the three teams that go down. Not because the other teams like Everton and Villa and Newcastle and West Ham are better, but because yeah, they are worse. It's always terrible. been the criteria. The last they couple don't... of seasons, it's not who's too bad, who's the worst teams and who are the bad yeah. teams that are going to go down. It's are there three worst yeah, teams? As a Newcastle teams. fan, that's how, that's how we look at it at the start. Like genuinely we go, are there three worst teams than us? I was sure Sheffield United would be one of them, to be fair. And we've been totally proven wrong there. I, I still think we'll be just okay. But I think we'll be just okay. Is Steve Bruce okay? Is Steve Bruce safe? If you continue around that kind of, I don't see how he five, can't be. His objective, his objective is to stay up. You can't sack him if he finishes fifteenth. Yeah, exactly. If you're in fifteenth with like in March, you can't sack Steve Bruce. It's just no. Not. I'd, and and I'd imagine he's as, as safe as it gets. Ashley's not really a sacking manager, mm. a sacking owner. Mm. So, I mean, let's not forget as well. According to that. Uh, the brochure for Newcastle. He's one of Europe's most successful managers. Yes, yeah, Steve. <laughs> so you can just see where the tip extra dried where it said Rafa Benitez previously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so they put a sticker over but, the price. But, but, but another question about that Bruce thing is who take the job? Yeah, if very, you got rid of him, who take the job? Very true. And you mentioned sacking, and I just wanted to make this point because uh, I watched a YouTube video just before we came on the podcast of Gary Neville speaking uh, about how long is the right time for a manager to be in situ? Three years, he said. Mm. was the perfect length of time. We mentioned on yesterday's podcast, could Pep Guardiola's tenure at Manchester City be coming to an end after three years? Pochettino was four and a half years, but you would argue the last, oh, coming up to 12 months of Pochettino's reign has been stale. So does Gary Neville have a point here that in the modern era, you won't really ever see again managers like Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger who do long stints. The exception maybe might be Eddie Howe, of course, at this moment in time, and Sean Dyche at Burnley. But you don't really ever see that. And three years is the optimum time for a manager before their ideas become out of date and there needs to be a regeneration. I think if you're talking about the cream, the pinnacle of the leagues, there's probably a case to argue that is the situation when you look at your Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp and Jose Mourinho even. They're managers that are able to come in, reshape a squad instantly, spend a lot of money and build something in their image. And there doesn't seem to be any planning beyond that because the demand now is so much for instant success you have to come in and you have to win stuff they have to impact quickly and there is no time to then have this conveyor belt that kind of slowly brings in 
the next generation and slowly regenerates the club. So you kind of, I mean, that's the way football clubs used to manage, isn't it? So you had yeah. key players and then you had a sprinkling of youth and you had your older players. And as the older players dropped off the end, you all got sold. You get the new players coming in and filling the gap. Because the pressure is so much now demanding instant success, you've got people like, and you look at Guardiola at City, they have to build a team that delivers that instant success. There is no option to bring through that next generation, which is why we're seeing so much frustration with the likes of Foden and Diaz, for example, not getting that chance. Is three years the right length of time for you? I think that... I think what what this is, is a... I think I actually agree with Gary Neville, but I'd say probably near a four to five years, but in any walk in any walk of life and you know some people manage people in their professional lives as well at some point your message gets a little bit stale diluted and yeah. diluted mm-hmm. and i think people get sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again and that's that's in like a normal working environment if you amplify that to the fact that all these lads are millionaires 25 25 year old men, yeah. not necessarily mm. massively educated millionaires mm. in with a v- variety of different cultures and a variety of different languages I think that you're absolutely in the case that the message is going to get samey and you probably need a refresh more often than not. It's interesting with Pochettino, isn't it, that he argued long and hard with Levy to for a squad overhaul. Regeneration, He yeah. said he needed to regenerate the squad because he knew that the message he was delivering was starting to be diluted and was starting to become a bit samey for the players. So by bringing in new players, he would have offset that. I think that's the only way mm-hmm. you can have longevity. And Ferguson was brilliant at it. If you look at how he, he, he built a team and then that team sort of dissipated a bit and then he built another team sort of rising to a crescendo and if you pockmark his reign over however many years he was there 20 odd years you could probably identify six teams couldn't you that he built and then started again that kind of backs up what i'm saying yeah absolutely. pretty much in that the impact it, it's more about the fact you have a static team than a manager's ideas get stale and don't work anymore. well it was mentioned in this interview that something ferguson said a few years ago was the best thing you can do as a manager is pick your owners and not your club and i think the kind of premise that came out of that was that, you know, is it a reflection, a manager's, a manager failing? Is that a reflection on the board? Is it the board's failure? For instance, I think Marco Silva deserves to be sacked at Everton Football Club. That is a failure on the board's part for giving him the job in the first place because their decision and their faith has not been repaid. But also it's the, the director it's their of decision that's been made. Yeah, and on the players. I think now as well, it's, it's too easy to say it's always the manager that carries the can, isn't it? And the guy who... So if you apply your, you know, Newcastle again, Bruce is in charge, he's, he's head coach, he doesn't buy the players, he didn't buy Joe Linton. Joe Linton, that deal was already in place before Bruce got in at the football mm. club. He didn't buy Alan St. Maximam. Now, from what Benitez wrote an article in the Times he did an interview last week where he said, Ashley offered him an eight-year contract, but he had to sign Joe Linton and St. Maximam. And he said, no, I won't do it, but I'll sign a one-year deal. And... Basically, the point is that he couldn't see a way to fit St. Maximam and Joe Linton into the system he wanted to play with the players he already had at his disposal. Bruce now has to find a system to play these guys. Now, anyone can tell you that if you want someone to hold the ball up and be physical and win headers and score goals, at a price point that we could operate at, the best guy that you can buy or could have bought was probably the guy we already had, which was Rondon because he was brilliant at it. He was absolutely sensational with his back to goal, and he ran all day, and he worked hard, and he had a bit of quality. How much did you pay for Joel Linton? £40 million, uh, how much allegedly. Did you, how much did West Ham pay for Seb Allaire? 45 I think, for Seb Yeah, but, but we could have bought Rondon for 16 yeah, but we didn't want to buy him because he was 29 That's not Steve Bruce's fault no, no, that no. we didn't do that. It's not Steve Bruce's fault that instead of buying another dual number 10 to replace Perez, which is who we lost, 
went and bought an explosive winger who isn't a number 10, mm. who, by the way, I, I like as a player. He's got to get a bit more end product. But in terms of, he, he carries the ball better than anyone in Europe. Yeah, but Steve Bruce took that job knowing exactly what he was Oh, yeah, yeah, into, yeah, so. absolutely. But and it's a slightly unique scenario. It, but it's it, not. It, 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 I think it's... It's an amplified scenario. Yeah, that's fair. So we might see a similar situation across but, the old league. But, it, but, yeah. it, but at Everton, to use your example, Niall, is Silver buying those players or is Marcel Brands buying them? Marcel Brands yeah, is, is buying the players. But I just think in terms and I didn't of... I find the targets as well. Yeah, yeah as he, his execution of, of his job as a manager, I think, has been poor. That's, that's where my opinion comes from. I'm not, dis- I'm I teed not off on him. Yeah, I teed off on him yesterday, so I won't go too hard on Marco Silva today. Um, of course, Champions League action returns tonight for Tottenham. Jose Mourinho in his second game in charge of Tottenham Hotspur. Manchester City also welcomes Shakhtar Donetsk again to the Etihad. It seems like they play each other every single season. We'll talk about those two games as well as the African Player of the Year shortlist after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. Alongside me in the studio, we've got Jim and we've got Phil. The Champions League returns tonight. Two of our Premier League teams in action. (laughs) Tottenham against Olympiacos. Jose Mourinho has gone into Spurs. Obviously, the aim for Spurs would be to to boost themselves up the table, Jim. um, They still haven't yet qualified for the next round of the Champions League. But they will by this time tomorrow. You think so? Agreed. 100% they will beat Olympiacos. Olympiacos, I think they're top of the It was 2-2 two, two in Greece the in the first in Champions Greece. League game. Yeah, exactly. It's a different thing. In Greece, with like loads of Greek lads with flares and all Loads of Greeks in Greece? Unbelievable. That, and that is Olympiacos' only point in the qualifying stages as well. There's no way goal. Mourinho on his first home game at Tottenham Loses will not this. deliver three points against Olympiacos. Although I'm not, I'm not buying the Mourinho revolution yet. We saw it at the weekend. No, no, I'm not buying it either. They got Phil, he's Phil, only Phil, had but, one game, Jim. Phil, Phil. No, no, but there was this kind of thing, oh, Mourinho's back. He, the first half against West Ham, he was 3-0 up. West Ham are crap. Yeah, exactly. It, they you? were absolutely terrible in that game. And it didn't look like a Jose Mourinho team yet either. There is no way a Jose Mourinho team... No, they had a bit of flair, didn't they? So, yeah. But th- you, a Jose Mourinho team does not go 3-0 up and continue to try and score goals. A Jose Mourinho team should have shut up shop at that point and completely gone, right, that's it, closed down, game over, which didn't happen. So it'll take a while for Mourinho to get into that. But, I mean... It's irrelevant. So I could manage Spurs to victory tonight. Obviously, Jose's quest at Spurs is to win trophies. Where does the Champions League rank amongst that Well, it's one of two trophies that can win this season. Exactly. So, So, I mean, is he going to attack the Champions League, Jose, in typical Jose style? Has he got no other choice? Or is it very much focus eggs in the basket and getting them is back into the top four? attack the Champions League? Well, I think he's going to pick his best side, yeah. I, I can't see them resting players like it's a Carabao Cup game. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to they're gonna play their best team. Whether whether they have the personnel to win the Champions League is a is a different question, but they had the personnel to get to the last mm. two last year. Uh, realistically, I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. I think if he wants to win a trophy, his best bet's probably the FA Cup. So... If we're going to talk about them attacking a trophy, it'll be very in- interesting to see what side he picks in the third round when they've got to go to Barnet or something. He, I don't think he'll pick the kids. I think Kane will play. I think he'll he'll go at that because he, that's his best chance of success. And he'll and like you say, he'll concentrate on the top four. Mm. But in any other season, Tottenham are going to play their first team in the Champions League in the Premier League. So really, the the question is, if we're going to look at what a barometer of what Mourinho's attitude might be is the side he picks in the FA Cup. It gets really serious, the Champions League, incredibly quickly, doesn't it? Because the minimum requirements for a Premier League team is last 16. But then, for Spurs, you'd go quarterfinals. That might be what you'd expect. But if you get a good draw in the quarterfinals, all of a sudden you're in the semis and you're like, Jesus. 
Yeah. And then if he can get them through, if they can get a decent draw in the last 16, then then he, he can get them to the final. Because in terms of someone who win you a cup tie over two legs, he's a He's very tactically adept at doing it. He does have that touch of the Benitez is about him. We yeah. talked about that sort of minuscule detail and the looking at how you can beat a team. So, yeah, he's perfectly capable of taking that Tottenham team he, he took, far into he the competition. He took that into the team to, to win it. And they, they're not Barcelona out over two legs. I mean, like... And that Diego Milito. That wasn't a great in the team. It wasn't. But he got them there. So to answer your question, yeah, he's going to go for it. This will be top of his priority lists. The FA Cup is the more achievable goal I think obviously the Premier League that's probably ah, gone question. already even with a massive turn in form and a massive downturn well, if they won every game between now and the end of the season I still don't think they'd win the Premier League well no. that just goes to because I don't think Liverpool have dropped enough points between no. now and the end of the season you, you talk about priorities has there been a shift in priority at Manchester City has Pep Guardiola changed his his list of preferences in terms of what he would rather pick up silverware-wise this season, they welcome Shakhtar Donetsk to the Etihad this evening. I was talking to a City fan earlier today and they were saying that they were considering the downturn in league form for Manchester City as exactly that, a shift in focus for Pep Guardiola. That almost, he doesn't, this is his last season at City. He wants he to win the Champions League. He doesn't care about the Premier League as much anymore. He wants to win the Premier League. He wants to win the Champions League because that's the big trophy he's missing that he's not won since he was at Barcelona. Personally, I think that's a little bit of wishful thinking for City fans because I don't think their form has been that different in the Champions League than it has in the league, has it? They always seem to get an easy group in the Champions League and I'm not trying to dig out Manchester City fans here. Uh, Everyone says, oh, it's a conspiracy, City get easy groups or whatever. But I just think that, yeah, it's got to be now or never for Pep, isn't it? We were speaking on yesterday's show that there's a possibility and mentioning just earlier in this podcast about the three-year cycle. last season was their chance to win it. You think so? I think that was the... They're They're still through. They're in it now, but you look at the team and the way the team was playing last season and even the season before compared to the performances this season when they're missing so many key defenders. They've had Laporte but, out. But He'll be back for the last But sometimes 16, strange things like that happen in the Champions League. I, look I what I Phil's think... saying about that that average, uh, not no disrespect to Inter, but compared to the other teams that have won it. And then when Chelsea won it in 2012, I, suspensions, injuries and average I, side. I, think, I still think one of the two English sides will win it. That That's my genuine belief. Either Liverpool or Manchester City will win the Champions League. Because I think they're the best two sides in Europe. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Whether it's whether Liverpool can fight on all fronts, mm. because they're going to have to play a lot of games to do it. Mm. Over two legs, I still possibly think Manchester City will beat Liverpool if they had to play each other. Although, you know, Liverpool proved me wrong, have proved me wrong in the past on that. Um, but I can't, like, I'm looking around going, who else is going to beat them? And it's really difficult to see us pick a stand outside in Europe. Madrid are in disarray. Barca are functioning but barely. They're top of La Liga, but they're not playing well. Juve are so old <laughs> as, a, as an institution, really. The old but, lady. Yeah, Vecchio Senora. But, like, what, what are they going it, to... It's difficult. Munich. Mm. But then get the cliche bell ready because it is a cup competition. And for the same reasons that Jose Mourinho might do it with Spurs, then Barca or Juve or Bayern Munich, or Real Madrid are capable of beating Manchester City and Liverpool on their day. I think day. it's very open. Was that a cliche? That was, did I miss it? You missed it right at the beginning. I think it's very open, but I still, still think the best two sides are Liverpool and Manchester City. Can I say, I worked something out over the last 24 That's hours. That's another Salveson theory. Yeah, a little bit. 
Because everyone's been saying how weird Mourinho looks in the purple gilet, right, of Spurs. Everyone's saying there's something that doesn't look quite right about it. I've worked out what it is. It's not Adidas. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the last three clubs he's had... He's, got, Madrid, he's got a deal. No, he's Manchester, got a deal. Yeah. So Real Madrid, Manchester United and Chelsea, largely because of that deal he has with Adidas, he's been signed up to Adidas clubs. Well, Spurs is we, the first team that he's... Managed so, could we see him dusting off the old uh, well tailored Italian suit before yeah, too long? I think back in start, the suit and tie. He may start wearing Hugo Boss, but <laughs> but he, this is true. He's actually Mourinho has a Other personal endorsement with Adidas, <laughs> and they thought when he signed with Spurs, he was obviously sponsored by Nike, that he'd let that endorsement go. But Adidas have deemed him a special case, apparently. Oh really? Adidas because Pep obviously sponsored by Puma, and so is Klopp yeah. sponsored by New Balance. But the expectation was that he would drop Adidas when he signed with Spurs. Adidas have said, no, no, he's a special case. I wonder whether Spurs might sign and Adidas. You, well, you never know, do you? But that was, the, that was the, the thing, was that he was deemed a special case by Adidas. So they go, if you've been trying, struggling to work out why it looks weird, that's why, because he's, he's not got three stripes on his arm. That yeah. is exactly why you should listen to this podcast. <laughs> Information like and that. insight like that is the reason you should subscribe to Football Social Daily. Before we close things down on today's show, uh, the African Footballer of the Year shortlist has been released which include 10 Premier League players on that shortlist. Is it shortlist in inverted commas? Uh, well, it's not, short it's not a shortlist, It's is not it, a shortlist at all. Uh, There's blocks you I've never heard of. Well, uh, well, there will be, but um, in the Premier League contingent of players that have been nominated for this award, which is uh, uh, handed out by the Confederation of African Football, the CAF, the, the African sort of UEFA, basically. Uh, there's three Liverpool players, Mohamed Salah, who's the current holder, for the last two years of this award, Sadio Mane and Naby Keita, players from other clubs in the Premier League, Riyad Mahrez, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Nicola Pepe, Wilfred Ndidi, Jordan Ayew, Wilfred Zaha and Trezeguet from Aston Villa. So there are some very notable names in there. there Liverpool, is. of course, dominate the shortlist, Jim. But as Phil says, there's a lot of players on there and it's the... It's not a shortlist. It, it deteriorates pretty quickly once you've gone through the there's top There's 30 few. names. There's, there's yeah. Mad- Madagascan players Carol, in there yeah, as well. Carolus Andrea Massinoro is from Madagascar. He plays for Aladala. He's probably not making the running as a booty's favourite. The fact um, that Nicolas Pepe is one of the prominent names in the list shows. But he had such a good year last year. Good. No, he had such a good year. You can't. I'm. I'm going to make Pepe my personal pet project on this podcast. Okay. There's a lot of alliteration in there, wasn't there? <laughs> I, I, Adam and Pepe is going to come good. I'm going to state it for the record. Pepe will turn into a good player. I, for I agree. I agree with you. Actually, I think despite, he will do well eventually. Yeah, despite the obvious, well. the obvious, just bitterness yeah. towards him. <laughs> Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, look, there's some, there's some deserves, really good footballers. Who deserves to win? I mean, it says here Riyad Mahrez is a strong favourite. He helped Algeria win the 2019 mm. Africa Cup of Nations and also treble with Manchester City That's, last season. It, it depends on what the criteria is. Like, if you were saying who's the best player, it'd be very difficult to look past someone like Salah or... Mane, I think. Mane's had brilliant. a yeah. sensational year. But if your criteria is what, what they've achieved in Africa, so... Is the African Cup of Nations going to play a huge part in deciding who won it? Then it's more likely to be an Algerian player because they won. They won the African Cup of Nations, and if it's going to be an Algerian, it's going to be Mares because he also won the treble. Yeah, I think that's course. it. It's, that's the two players, isn't it? It's Mane or Mares, depending on which way they do it. But then you look at Bernardo Silva and how he was overlooked in the FIFA awards, despite winning five. Was it? De- Trophies. Well, he won the, the Nations League with Portugal as well. I mean, it's an interesting one because the, the ceremony is in Egypt. So, Mohamed Zayich Salah. Should be a show. Oh, Hakim Ziyech from, uh, from Ajax. Yeah, so there are some good players on that list. Well, Salah won the Champions League as well, remembering this 
yeah. period. So, and if it is in Egypt, I think that's not a bad shout. And did he not score in the Champions League final as well? So, um, yeah, I think so. So it feels like an age ago. Does feel like Zaha did win a lot of penalties for Crystal Palace last year, though. If Luka Milojevic has a vote. <laughs> Jordan, are you on the list? Zaha's going to absolutely clean up. Well, we have to keep an eye on and see who wins that award uh, in the near future. But just before the, the, the end of the show, any fond memories of African players that you have from years gone by? I'm trying I to work this out. For you, for My... you Pappy's Demba Cisse and Demba Bar. Demba Bar was class. Demba Bar was absolutely top, top draw well, for Cisse's us. Well, Cisse's goal against Chelsea, the, the whipping volley Nobody ever really talks line, about his, his is, first uh, goal in that game, which was also sensational. Is up for goal of the decade, by the way. Uh, it's probably justifiably going to win it as well because it was absolutely sensational. Um, Cisse was a bit hot and cold, but when he was hot, he was really good. Demba Bar was just absolutely class. Played for West 29 Ham well, goals in 54 games for Newcastle or something. He was absolutely brilliant. I think Demba Bar is probably the best African player I've seen in a West Ham really? shirt for the very brief period of yeah, time he was, he was in East London as well. But you look at the players that we've had JJ from that for me. continent in a, a West Ham. Mido, Benny McCarthy, Guy Demel, Marin Schmack, Magia. It's like we, we have not... Did you have Sacco be- as well or... Uh, the other guy from Mali uh, uh, Madibo yeah. Maiga as well he played yeah, for West Ham I mean, uh, we haven't been blessed with the greatest You've had some shockers. African players Coyote was decent <laughs> yeah. Czech Teote was good for yeah, us uh, as well I'm absolutely buzzing with the African contribution to my club Portsmouth because they helped a lot of them helped us be successful um, Papa Buba Diop Suleiman Tari, Kanu played for Portsmouth, of course he did. Yakubu played for us. There's been some excellent African players, and, and more recently, you think to Chelsea teams, Essien, Mikel, um, they've had some really good players. Jeremy was a, a good fullback. Laurent was a. That's not true. Uh, was he not? He was garbage in Newcastle. But uh, he was about 110 years old. <laughs> but like also, you've got to look at the duds as well. And we, we both have some sympathy in our Amdi Fai. Oh, he was terrible. dreadful. Terrible. He player. was dreadful. Salif Diaw, we had yeah. him. He was shocking as well. He was crap. He went to Liverpool as well. So, like, there, there's been some, as many good players as the continent's been, there's been some fantastic players. As I say, for us, Abdullah Fai was really decent. Habib Bey, I said at one point, was the best right back in the Premier League. I thought he was absolutely sensational from Monday, Senegal. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a great song. But, um, yeah, there's been some absolute stingers. I think you made a good call. JJ Okocha from the Premier oh, League lit the, era. Lit the league up. He was absolutely brilliant. Particularly when you consider the turgid Bolton side that he was playing in at the time. He just shone in that t- side and just lit it up. I'm going with Kanu. Just, uh, just a personal preference. I'm throwing it in there. If you're listening to the show and you have a favourite African player over the Premier League years, then let us know at the Sports Social. Send us a tweet and we'll read some of them out. We want to know because uh, I mean, just who going to be going inundated with? with scouts going with Salah and Mane, aren't we? Yeah, we're not counting those. Yaya Torre. Years gone by. Yaya Torre was all right. Brilliant. Yeah, he was a good player as well. Anyway, this has been Football Social Daily. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, as I said, at the Sports Social on social media. You can find us there. Hit subscribe so you never miss another episode of the podcast. And we'll be back with more for you tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.